Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Welcome to this incredible Easter week or Holy Week as we gather together either uh, uh, gather together here and, and all throughout the week. It's going to be a tremendous time. As was mentioned, my name's Mike, one of the pastors here. And it's not only fun to celebrate and to learn about Jesus and faith, Bible, but also to be with each other. Uh, We uh, can encourage each other. We can encourage each other in faith and learn a lot from each other. We gain all kinds of insights uh, from each other, we like like recommendations on uh, and reviews on places to visit or purchases to make or movies to go to or restaurants uh, to eat at. Uh, we we love that. We we uh, so like what would you say? What's a recommendation of a favorite restaurant that's local? Dominic's great place just over here. <laughs> Wonderful Italian place. It's been there for years and stuff like that. A first service at something like El Zarape. Anybody been to that one? A few of you been there. What about a movie? What movie have been a great one to see? Jesus Revolution, yeah, I've heard about that. Christy and I haven't yet been there, uh, been to see that. And, uh, and that's been great. Uh, there's all kinds of different other things, you know, to recommend. How, how many of you would recommend an, an iPhone? Anybody recommend some other kind of phone? Yeah, Samsung or whatever, or some of you have the flip phone still. Uh, and there's also Easter candy. What's, your, what's the best Easter candy out there? Cho- anything chocolate, Amen. In fact, that's what our Christy and I's favorite is Hershey eggs. We love those little things. The problem with these things is trying to peel off the foil. It just is not well enough. Uh, Justin, one of our pastors here, his favorite is Peeps. Yeah, I know. That's the same thing we all say. Ew. Really? You know, but that's Justin for you. He he loves those kind of things. Uh, John Wyatt, his favorite is is Starburst uh, jelly beans. Matter of fact, here you go, John. It's just for you. Uh, Uh, Then uh, Christy and and I's other favorite is uh, Cadbury mini eggs. And these ones are rainbow. Ooh. ooh. Then then there's these ones called Robin eggs. That was my mom's favorite. Uh, But there's all kinds of different things that we recommend because we liked it when people recommend us stuff. We want to hear about that. We, these days, we have all kinds of influencers around us, and we want to hear what they have to say. Uh, you know, what does Yelp say? What the, what the experts say? What does people of my tribe say? Uh, what do trusted friends say? We want to hear the truth. Well, Jesus, on this day of history, enters Jerusalem. There was truth being told that day. Some thought it was Uh, Jesus to overthrow and conquer Rome, uh, releasing Jews from Roman oppression. And yet Jesus rode into Jerusalem to conquer an even greater enemy, the enemy of sin. And though many did not get get it that day, uh, they didn't get it until later, this triumphal entry was a resounding and clear truth of Jesus' impact, his power, his authority, and his prominence. For hearing The truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers us to follow him. And so I'd like for us this morning to look at this historical event. We're going to look at Luke's account, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, let's pray and ask God to challenge. I'm glad you're here. God's got something to say to you this morning. So let's just ask him. Father God, thank you for the way you work and the way you bring us to places like this to actually hear your truth. And Lord, may that truth uh, sink in and resound in our hearts. May we be drawn ever closer to you 
and challenge us even this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. And as Debbie and John were talking about the worship folder, uh, if you open that up, inside there are some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. I encourage you to jot down some notes. If you want to, the answers to the fill in the blanks, you missed it, then out in our lobby here, if you go out these double doors and turn right, there's a desk that says uh, information desk or resource desk. There's a, a these study guides are available. They have all the answers to the fill in the blanks and also the extra verses that we mentioned. And they do mention a lot of extra verses this morning because of what we're going through this morning. And I encourage you to pick that up. Our hope is that you would use this time in God's word <clears throat> as, a, as a launch pad for your own personal study. Because especially this week, this holy week, tremendous things happened this week in history. And obviously we're having part of that with Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. And of course, Easter Sunday, but encourage you with that. To help you also, there's a, on our website, there's a, as you open on the first page, there's some resources to help you from today. Uh, there's some articles and things you can look at, but also there's a link to our podcast. We have a podcast most every week where we go deeper into the story, and I'm sure you would want to uh, tune into that. Well, this account of Jesus entering Jerusalem is recorded in all four Gospels. The Gospels are the first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew, it's found in chapter 21, verses 1 to 17. In Mark, it's chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. In Luke, that we're going to look at today is Luke 19, 28 to 40. And then John, the Bible book of John, chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. All four Gospels, so that we would hear loud and clear the truth of Jesus. So we'd like you to listen to what happened. I've asked Jocelyn and Avalu to come on up and to read the scripture this morning. So if you have your Bible, open it up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and, and Jocelyn's going to read it for us this morning. Hello, I'd just like to say good morning. I will be reading from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28, and it is titled, The Triumphal Entry. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road as he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Amen. Thank you, Jocelyn. Appreciate you uh, reading today's scripture this morning in that regard. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, there are four truths about Jesus to hear. For hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him. One of these four truths to hear about Jesus is to hear 
of Jesus' impact on his followers. You're in Luke chapter 19, <clears throat> jump down to now verse 37. Let me just read that again. And he, Jesus, drew, drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice, praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The disciples were there, Jesus' followers, not just the 12, but a whole lot more. Jesus had gathered a tremendous amount of following, especially just before this, he had risen Lazarus from the dead. And that whole crowd was there as well. They were praising God for all the amazing things Jesus said and did. One in the crowd would have said something like this. Oh, here comes Jesus. He's the one who turned water into wine. And the crowd would say this. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So why don't you practice that? Because you're going to be the crowd today as we go through this. So say it with me. Blessed is he, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's try that again. I'll try to lead it better. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One more time. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, this was better than first gathering, wasn't it? Yeah. You guys are amazing. Little coffee in you really helps. So get ready. You have a cue as we walk through this this morning. Are you ready? So the crowd erupted with quoting a very important and emotionally impact scripture. Another would say, I saw Jesus cast out demons. Oh, you can't believe what I saw. I saw Jesus cure a man with leprosy. Oh man, I was there. I was there on the road from Jericho and I saw Jesus give sight to the blind. He caused the lame to walk. The deaf to hear. He healed all kinds of sickness. And we were there. We saw when Lazarus, who was dead, came out of the tomb. And he taught like no other teacher. His messages had meaning. His words gave hope. They lightened their emotional load. They gave dignity. His, word, his words helped them understand God. See, no one could do these things but God alone. These were mighty works of God, miraculous. And they saw it all and wanted others to hear. I know some of you have experienced a miracle, a mighty work of God. Something amazing happened in your life. Well, we should be sharing those and telling people all about how great and awesome and amazing God is. And most all of you have experienced the great life-changing reality of when we come to faith in Jesus, that peace that surpasses understanding. Well, share your testimony. Share what God has done in your life, how you were going one way and now you're going another and how God has helped you in life. It's amazing. Hear the reality of Jesus and be inspired. I know that I saw 
Jesus at work in my friend's life. And that's how I became curious and eventually came to faith. In all of this, the crowd there that day was saying, Jesus is Messiah. The one God would send to set up his great and peaceful kingdom. That's why they quoted Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26 We'll, we'll talk more about the Bible teaching about Messiah, but, but hear what these followers of Jesus are saying. That this one riding on this donkey, the, the, the cloaks and, and palm branches laid down before him is the one true Messiah, the Christ. Hear what these followers are saying, these disciples are saying, that this is Jesus, the Christ, the one true king to follow and to align life to, to obey and to let be the greatest influence of life. The one to honor, the one to respect, the one to give allegiance to. Do we hear that? Would you be one in the crowd sharing how Jesus has impacted your life? Or maybe all this is making you curious. Look into that, investigate Jesus more. Now, yes, most in the crowd there that day did not understand what Jesus would need to do to die, to conquer sin and pay sin's debt. Later, they would understand. John, the apostle who was there, writes this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Now, just as a point of interest, once Easter is done, we're starting a whole new series taken from the gospel, or not the gospel, the, the writings of John, John, 1 John and 2 and 3 John as well. But 1 John 4, 10 says this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which means the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Because the reality of life is that we have issues. Now, I know you probably know you have issues, but so does the person next to you. We all have that issue of sin that resides in each one of our human bodies. It's part of our DNA. And the unfortunate reality of that, that has had us be coming into this world separated from God. And there's no human way we can close that separation. We can't go to church and fix it. We can't memorize a lot of Bible verses and fix it. We can't try to give all of our money to all the good things of God and fix it. There's no good work that fix that. That's why we need a savior. And that's why this week is so important to our faith. Because it's a reminder again that we need a savior and that it's Jesus. When Jesus was born and that we celebrate at Christmas time, the the scriptures were out that that here comes Jesus, the savior of the world. Because he would come and in this week he would come into Jerusalem and go through all kinds of horrible things and mock trials and and that and, and be accused of a lot of things. And then eventually hung up on a cross to pay for the penalty of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus was, he laid up on the cross. All the sin of the world was dumped on him and he paid the ultimate price. He gave up his life for us and he died a real death. And he's buried in a tomb. And on that third day, he rose from the grave saying that, yes, he is. That's the guarantee that he is our savior. And that's why the resurrection of Jesus is so vital. And that's why Easter is such a, a, a glorious celebration for us. Because it's proof positive, that exclamation point on the reality that Jesus is our savior. And how we benefit from that is to believe. To come to that place in our life, we say, yes, I get it. 
I am sinful, separated from God. I can't do it myself. I need a savior. It's Jesus. And I'm going to put my faith, my trust in him, that this is all true. And I'm going to put my trust in that. And when we do, we come to faith and grow in that. And this is where hope is found. Hope despite humanity's sinful conditions, but also hope from the oppressions of life. There's a lot that oppresses in us on in life. And Jesus is that hope there too. And hope in the struggles of life, the same thing. Jesus is the hope there too. They saw and experienced that hope and we can too. The question is, are you? For hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him and gives life hope. Well, the next truth of Jesus to hear as he enters into Jerusalem is to hear of Jesus' power from his actions. Now, as they recounted all these mighty works of God, and as we read about Jesus' life all through the Bible, we hear Jesus' power. We hear of Jesus' power, his power over nature. Jesus, yes, did turn water into wine. John chapter two, verses one to 11. But not only that, he walked on water. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Jesus also calms a storm in Mark chapter four, verses 35 to 41. And Jesus feeds 5,000 really way more than that in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Jesus has that kind of power. Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. He was exhausted. He'd been healing all day and, and teaching and preaching all day long. And so he got into the boat to go over to the other side of the lake. And all of a sudden he just falls asleep. But then a storm starts to rage on the ocean and it's getting pretty bad, even so bad that the burly fishermen that were in that boat started to freak out and they wake up Jesus. There's a storm, there's a storm. And he's you know, probably groggy a little bit. And he just kind of goes peace and the storm quiets. And this is what the disciples say in Matthew chapter eight, verse 27. And the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? The laws and order of nature bend to the will of almighty savior. Woo, hear that and have hope for Jesus has that kind of power. Nothing is too difficult for him. Not only power over nature, but, but the power to reverse sin. Since sin entered the world, evil has been very present. And we see it even in our world today. And if you were sickened by the news of what came out of Tennessee, Nashville, just pure evil. But not only that, there's been sickness and many of you have experienced that you personally or know of people who are struggling with cancer and all kinds of different other diseases and, and then the reality of death. And yet all through the accounts of Jesus's life, demons are dealt with, sickness is stopped, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and death is reversed. One of my favorite stories is actually the story in John's gospel that comes right before this triumphal entry is a story of the raising of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends, him and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And there's lots of stories in, in the gospels about them. But Lazarus had become sick. So Mary sends word or Martha sends word to Jesus, come, come, help him. We've seen you heal sick people, heal Lazarus. 
And Jesus doesn't leave right away. He actually waits. And the disciples are going, why are you waiting, Jesus? Come on, let's go heal this guy. And he goes, well, you know, Lazarus is asleep. What do you mean he's asleep? No, he's, he's dead. What? So they get there and it's been a number of days and they've already put Lazarus in a tomb. And Jesus enters into the area. Mary and Martha come before him. They're crying. Jesus, if you'd only been here, he would, he, he would be alive. And, and Jesus says, just believe. He said, yes, I, they said, yes, we know that the resurrection will come one day. And Jesus said to them, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Believe in me. And they walk over. Where is he laid? They take him to the tomb. And Jesus says, roll the tomb, roll the stone away. And they said, Jesus, he's been in there for a number of days, his body's been decomposing and it's going to smell. Roll the tomb, roll the stone away from the tomb. And he stands before the tomb and he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden coming out like a, probably a mummy because he had all the grave clothes wrapped around him. He comes out, he's alive. They take off his grave clothes and man, they cannot believe it that Jesus can even raise the dead. Woo! Man, that must have been a sight to see. I would love to have been there by the Pharisees because they were just they were just mad. This Jesus man must be from God, and that's taking all the attention away from us, and we want the attention. And they, that's when they really decided to kill him. They also wanted to kill Lazarus too because they wanted to get rid of all the proof. But what's always interests me in this story is why did Jesus say Lazarus come forth? He was standing right in front of the tomb. It was kind of obvious that it was Lazarus the one he was talking to. But this is how I think when I think about the power of Jesus, because if he wouldn't have said Lazarus come forth and just said come forth, that whole graveside would have just come and erupted with people coming back with the dead. That's how powerful Jesus is. Woo. Yeah, amen is right. There is hope in Christ if we trust him. Jesus has that kind of power. Now, Jesus did not heal everybody. He did not bring everybody back from the dead. And just because we are followers of him does not mean we will not suffer. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, he says. I have overcome the world. Even in the midst of struggling and hardship and sickness and all these things that we go through in life, there is hope in Jesus if we trust in him. See, Jesus has the power over nature. Jesus has the power to reverse sin's effect. And Jesus also has the power to include we hear that Jesus included women and children and outcasts and foreigners and all those who felt distant. Later, the apostle Paul gives an illustration of this belonging that Jesus brings in the, the uh, plant dealing with of called uh, grafting, where you take one branch and you graft it into another. So they both grow together. And he says that we, when we come to faith, we are grafted in to the vine of Christ and, that, and not only that, he, that's found in Romans chapter 11, verses one, well, really the whole chapter one to 31. And, and then he also gives another illustration in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter one, verse five, he says, you are also adopted in and part of God's family because he wants us to feel included. Some of us feel distant. We feel alone. We feel like we're not included, sometimes invisible. And Jesus has the power 
to help us feel included and that we belong. And all that we would hear the truth of Jesus's power, that he includes, that he reverses sin's effect and that he has power over nature. Being Jesus can do all this. There is hope. There is nothing too big or too strong or too difficult or too powerful that Jesus can't handle that. For hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him. Trust Jesus and know him more. As the crowd was telling of their experience of Jesus and speaking out of his power, they were expressing the biblical truth of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. They wanted all to hear of Jesus' authority from the word of God. The passage they were speaking out was that one in, in Psalm, Psalm 118, 25 and 26. It says, save us, we pray. That's the word Hosanna. O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The he in this passage is Messiah. The one promised of God. The one that Israel was waiting for. They were waiting for because there was over 400 prophecies of what Messiah will do and who he is. All throughout the Old Testament. Talking of his birth, his life, what he will do, his suffering, his death, even his resurrection. And Jesus, by the way, answered every single one of those. It's almost a mathematical improbability that that could happen unless it's the true Messiah, Jesus. And we believe him to be true. These people heard of the authority of God's word and we can too. That Messiah that we know to be Jesus will defeat the enemy, the devil. As Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 talks about the, the Messiah, Jesus will reign even greater than Israel's greatest king. That is David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 7, 11 to 17. And the king will be way more. As Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, that passage that we read almost every Christmas, that unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given, and, and he will sit upon his throne, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It will be God himself. Now Israel was looking for a conquering king. For they had interpreted passages like Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 5, and really all the way through the end of the chapter that Messiah would deal with Israel's oppressors. They felt it was Rome at that time. And yet Isaiah 52 verse 13, all the way through to Isaiah 53 verse 12, speak of Messiah's suffering and death to conquer the even greater oppressor of sin. And yet also that Messiah would be resurrected. Psalm 16, 10, Isaiah 53, 10, Hosea, Five, verse 14 and 15. And actually the book of Jonah is a kind of a type of Messiah that will rise again after three days, like Jonah did in three days in the belly of the whale. The crowd that day may not have fully grasped all of who the Bible says Messiah Jesus will be. But he did come riding in on a donkey as king, but a donkey, not a white horse, because he is humble as Zechariah chapter 9 Verse nine prophesied, but yet one day (laughs) he will ride in on a white horse as the Bible book of revelation reveals. And though the one true King who should be adorned with impressive Royal robes in this procession had the cloaks of the poor and the lowly laid out before him. And yet one day, one day he will be adorned in all majesty, do his regal rightful position. As the king of kings 
and as the Lord of Lords, almighty God, sovereign, holy, adorned in all the splendor of his glory. So yes, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There is hope in our one true King for all those who step into and under his reign. Who's your King? For if we are willing to step out in faith and follow him, the whole Bible professes and proclaims and pronounces Jesus as the Christ and our only hope in life. For hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him and gives us hope. Boy, I challenge you to, to know him more. If you're a follower of Jesus, delve into this Holy Week and know more about Jesus and place your hope in him. If you're not sure of Jesus, investigate him. That's why we've created these packets. Inside there, there's a letter written how you can come to faith in Jesus and believe in him, but also how you can know him more. There's a little booklet about the resurrection in there and how it's proof positive that this is truly ha- this truly happened. So I encourage you to, at the end of the service, pick one of these up and, and, and draw deeper into Christ if you don't know him already. But are you hearing it? it it's all true. Hear that Jesus is the greatest phenomenon in history. Hear how he has impacted millions. Hear of his undeniable power and hear from the authoritative word of God. It's all true. And lastly, let's hear of Jesus's prominence for, from creation. Go back to Luke chapter 19. Now these last few verses, they're all screaming out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord recounting his works in verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, them jealous already because he raised Lazarus from the dead, said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. (laughs) And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The, The first rock concert ever. Sorry, bad joke. But why would Jesus say that? The reason why is because all of creation knows its master and Lord. Whereas Colossians 1, 16 and 17 said, for by him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And all creation cries out. That word cries out means with a loud voice to leap up and scream out and creation does that. And some of you have heard it as you stand on the edge of the grand Canyon. You can almost hear the grandeur just screaming out at you. You stand at the the base of one of the most beautiful mountains streams or scenes that are available. You hear the glory of God pronounced the splendor of wildflowers, the, the power of crashing waves, the immense, the immensity of spouting volcanoes, the strength of a storm, the creativity of bugs and animals and you and me. All creation shouts of its creator, of Jesus. Romans 1.20 says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, we are without excuse. As Jesus breathed into being all that is around us, he can breathe into each one of us life. 
there is hope. And if the crowd of disciples were quiet that day, the very rocks would be rising up, giving glory to their creator king who has arrived. Here creations rumble. And the, and the prominence of our amazing king, we're hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him. Is Jesus paramount in your life? Then show it. Let it cry out from the actions of your life because actions speak way louder than words. It's, it's Palm Sunday. Jesus has arrived. The Lord, the leader, the savior, the healer, the helper, the king. Will you hear that? It's all true. Hear of Jesus' impact from his followers. Hear of Jesus' power from his actions. Hear of Jesus' authority from God's word. Hear of Jesus' prominence from creation. For hearing the truth of Jesus encourages our faith and empowers our following of him. This holy week is a great opportunity for us to renew our hearts to him and to seek him, to come before him and to say, hey, I believe in you. Maybe you're, you're searching. Maybe this is a great opportunity for you to say, you know what? I get it. I think, yes, I know I need a savior. And I believe it's Jesus. And for the rest of us, it's a time for us to renew our commitment to him, our, our prominence of him. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and lead in a couple of prayers here. If this, these prayers mean something to you, then you pray them along in your own words, in your own mind in this way. If you are not sure of your own faith and salvation, here's a way you can start that. It's a simple prayer and you can pray this along with me if that's where you're at. And just as I pray it out loud, you pray it silently in your mind. Dear Jesus, I get it. I'm sinful and I need a savior. And Jesus, I believe it's you. And so right here this day on this Palm Sunday, 2023, I want to commit my life in faith to you. Be my savior. Be the one that I follow. Be my king, my leader, my Lord. And right now I just give my life to you. It's all I know about you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.